When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you for tuning in to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please subscribe to our weekly Boston Bruins Hockey Talk on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify Podcasts. We'd certainly appreciate it if you give us show a five-star rating along with a written review. You can also subscribe to our official YouTube channel for a video version of our weekly program. If you'd like to support our show financially, please go to our blackandgoldhockey.com website and click on our affiliated fanatics banner before shopping online another way to financially support our weekly program is to become a patreon member to be eligible for weekly boston hockey prizes and monthly boston bruins hand signed jersey giveaways please go to patreon.com slash black and gold hockey podcast and donate just one dollar per episode many thanks for the continued support and enjoy the show <laughs> gentlemen welcome back to the black and gold hockey podcast episode number 318 uh, it's a pleasure to have you on board with us whether you're watching or listening we appreciate you making us part of your day uh, i'm your host steve forney here uh, broadcasting live from the bunker in the basement uh, mark allred who is everything black and gold at here at the uh, network uh, on location in uh, in pravi and we are pleased uh, to have on board as well cam manning uh, who's a big part of the Black and Gold family as well. Cam, it's a pleasure to have uh, you here with us today as well. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Ready to talk some hockey, some Bruins hockey, and some Providence hockey especially, too. Absolutely. To as always, folks, our episode is brought to you by betonline.ag. Uh, you can use that promo code CLNS50. Uh, that would be a big help to us as well. Don't forget, we do also have a hotline number, 978-504-2727. You can call us anytime, day or night. Um, if you got a hot take or you have a question, uh, you can let us know. We also have the hashtag ask B and G, uh, which we, uh, we got a late submission today. I saw on Twitter, we had uh, somebody bring up a really good question about, uh, the Bruins prospect pool. Um, so we'll get to that as well. 
Uh, but before we do, Mark, uh, I want to ask you how everything's going. How's uh, things down there in Providence? I know you were at the game last night as well. So um, how's everything going with you? Oh, it's been amazing, Steve. Um, I love I love Providence. Anytime I can come down here, it's just uh, one of those one of those cities that is fun. There's, there's always something to do, whether it be a, a game, uh, Providence Bruins. Uh, I'm sorry, Providence College, Brown, whatever. Um, always something to do and great uh, restaurants and bars around as well. I'm in the federal uh, district of Providence, which is really cool to walk around and so on. But uh, yeah, really enjoying my time here. I uh, got a, an Airbnb for four days and I'm, I'm covering, I covered last night's game against the birds. And I know you weren't too happy about the 62 loss, but, um, and I'm also going to be covering Sunday's game when the Providence comes back to the amp against the uh, Springfield Thunderbirds again. So looking forward to that game, but um I'm looking forward to uh, talking bees with you guys. It's been about it's been a, a little under a week so far. We're doing a a podcast, a little untraditional. We we normally do on Sundays, but uh, you're off to Disney, I believe, and uh, and yeah, <laughs> there you go. And um, you know, we just had to work around our schedules to make this happen. And I'm happy that we have Cam along, and I'm happy that you could fit the time in as well, Steve. No, I appreciate you accommodating. Yeah, we got uh, the the cars almost packed up, and we're leaving 5 a.m. tomorrow. So my three-year-old and my five-year-old are over the moon to go to Disney. So I'm very excited. I will be uh, I will be instacarting as much alcohol as the state of Florida will allow me to, <laughs> and uh, we'll have a pretty good time. So um, and Cam, for those of you who um, for those of them uh, the listeners out there who might not be familiar with you or some of your work, just tell us a little bit about uh, a little bit about what you're up to personally and here at Black and Gold. Yeah, thanks so much, Steve. Um, so I've been on the episode before with Mark. Um, I started BNG, I think, I think in January or maybe just before New Year's. I believe it's been a couple of months since I've been here, if that sounds about right. Um, I've really been grateful to learn from Mark and all the other people at Black and Gold about how to properly write, how to produce content. And I want to give a quick little plug. Um, if anyone out there is looking to join the team, we are we are looking for always looking for new members, always looking for passionate Bruins fans who are interested in producing content. Mark's a great guy, great boss, and he gives constructive comp- compliments and feedback to make your writing better. Um, it's a great team here at Black and Gold, and I couldn't be more grateful. And Steve, I actually just got back from Super Bowl Media Week last week in Arizona. I got to cover that for my first time ever, which was really a great experience. And that's awesome. And uh, I'm currently a senior at Emerson college. So uh, my semester is back in the swing of things. So I'm just doing college stuff at the moment, but I just got back from Arizona on sun- last Sunday. So it was really a great experience. A lot of learning from the pros, like I do here at BNG learning from the pros, picking up tips and tricks how I can learn from everyone around me. And it's just been an overall great experience. And I'm happy to be back on the show again. So well, that's, that's awesome. Cam Emerson's one of the best, one of the best broadcasting schools you're going to, you're going to find. So, and uh, we need more broadcasters with all due respect, Mark, we need more broadcasters in this world and less former athletes slash podcasters. We need broadcasters. I agree. Um, so Cam, <laughs> it's, it's nice to see you uh, sort of, sort of uh, hopefully following in our footsteps. Uh, and congratulations up at Arizona was, was fantastic. So that's, that's been, that's awesome for you. Um, we do have just a quick little rundown. We're going to review some of the games that happened in the previous week. We'll take a look at the week ahead. Um, we are going to, it looks like Jake DeBrusque will be back in action tonight. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. 
Um, siblings week uh, happened, which I thought was a great idea. That looked like a lot of fun. I love how everyone went to Nashville and just immediately bought cowboy hats and then warmed the game. <laughs> that was um, we're going to talk uh, some prospects too here because uh, obviously Providence got a big win yesterday. Um, some of these players are just playing off the charts, whether it's Merkulov in Providence, whether it's Brett Harrison, who's playing fantastic. Um, you know, one of the questions, not to tease it, but the, one of the questions we got was why is the Bruins prospect pool ranked so low yet the team is, you know, Providence is in, is, is in first place and I'm watching what Harrison's doing and what Michael Poitras doing. And it's, it's, uh, it's really been something. And then we're also going to touch on uh, the trade deadline. Obviously the big Ryan O'Reilly deal happened overnight. Uh, he goes to Toronto. Uh, hopefully now my Springfield Thunderbirds will get a couple of prospects, which they need because clearly they uh, can't hang with Providence. So, uh, so hopefully we can get a couple of extra bodies in there as well. Um, so, Mark, let's take a quick look back at the Dallas uh, 3-2 win. Dallas is the best record in the West. Uh, that game, personally, I thought was fun as hell to watch. Um, I prefer watching the Bruins play against really good teams and – sort of squeak out a 3-2 win in overtime, then watch them just curb stomp a team like Nashville, which isn't very good. So what were your thoughts on some of the games over the weekend? Nice response uh, on the Dallas game, from uh, you know, opposed to what happened in Washington. Uh, and I know we talked about it last week, but the Washington game was a very rough shaker for me. And, and to me, as always, I say it was a scheduled loss because the Boston Bruins just tend not to do well uh, when they have a long period of time off. It's just the, the repetitive motions and so on seem to relax a little bit. But once they get that game, we always know it's been tr- it's been a trend this season that the Boston Bruins, they, they come back the next game and they really show that, you know, that that other game that they previously had that wasn't a good showing is, uh, you know, it, you know, forgotten. But uh, I really like the, the response in this game. It was it was a little bit better. Um, I love Taylor Hall getting the goal. Uh, Pavel Saka, uh, you know, getting, um, we're going to talk about him later on. Um, him getting on the board as well. And uh, Pasternak as usual, uh, you know, the overtime winner with a, with a clapper, an absolute clapper that knocked him on his ass, which I thought was great. You know, you're putting all of it into it when you, when you have the uh, rotation like that and you fall down. So um, just a great, a great win. Uh, another solid road effort. And um you know, happy that they like they like I said they shook the rust off of uh, that Washington game moving forward. Uh, Cam, how about you? How about some thoughts on uh, both the Dallas game and obviously that as I said that curb stomping of Nashville five nothing this week. Yeah. So Steve, when it comes to like you said, playing good teams in the West, I immediately chalked it up to let me see seven game series of those two teams going at each other because that was just a really thrilling game and. Like Mark alluded to, Pavel Zaka gave the team new life. They were trailing 2-1 midway through the third period, beat Ottinger with that wrist shot. The siblings were going crazy, especially Pavel Zaka's sister. And uh, it was a really big morale boost to get that goal from Zaka, who's had some pretty big goals this season. I think back to the Pittsburgh game early on this season where Hampus Lindholm went crazy. Zaka scored the game-tying goal or brought them within one late in that game and he's just been doing it all season i know we alluded to it already but we're going to talk about him later on in the show in his career year as far as the nashville game i don't put much stock into it like you said steve nashville's underperformed this year um jeremy swayman though it seemed very sharp in that one second shutout of the season 
he actually he actually has seven career shutouts and two of them come against Nashville. His last one came December 2nd, 2021, where he stopped 42 shots. So he swimming loves playing against Nashville. So, and I also wanted to highlight Nick Felino. Like he's had some of the prettiest passes I've ever seen. Some of the prettiest dishes I've, I've seen that spinorama pass to Trent Frederick for the third goal was absolutely beautiful. I think his resurgence this year, 23 points in 54 games, has really tied into how the Bruins have made a statement season so far with 40-plus wins in the first team to do so. So I think they're both excellent games. I put more stock into the Dallas one, like you said, Steve. But overall, I think the Bruins are starting to find their groove again, which is good to see. And adding Jake DeBrus tonight will uh, hopefully continue that trend against the Islanders. Yeah, Cam, I'm glad you mentioned, uh, real quick, I'm glad you mentioned uh, Swayman because there was a point in the game where the Bruins were almost doubling them in shots. And I remember a guy like Dominic Koshik saying, the more shots I get, the more comfortable I feel. Like, he doesn't want to get cold. And there was a point where all the action was in the Nashville end, and then here they come up the ice, and bang, Swayman's ready to go. And they were doubling up in shots. And then at the end of it, shots were 30 to 28. So not only did he get cold, but then he got a pretty good flurry there in the third period. And he was still able to hold it down. So that was that was really good to see. Uh, Mark, you got something? Yeah, I want to talk about the uh, the Nashville game on Thursday night. Um, I really was kind of worried about that game because the Boston Bruins tend to make up their opposing goaltenders Vesner like candidates, you know, every time. And I actually thought that uh, UC Saros was going to be that type of guy that was going to possibly take the ball and run in in goal, um, but. Uh, the Boston Bruins just didn't do that. They really hammered him, getting a goaltender like him. And he's good. He is a very good goaltender, um, getting him side to side and so on, making him move and, and, and exposing the holes, um, and which is what we have to do moving forward uh, against teams like um, like uh, playoff contenders and so on. Um, so I just wanted to touch on that, that, you know, we have seen in the past that, you know, uh, we'll play the Buffalo Sabres and, and somebody in net will just like, they'll have a career game and just, we can't beat them. So I kind of thought that that was going to be what was going to happen on, on Thursday night with UC Saros, but unfortunately not good for him, uh, you know, putting letting in five goals and uh, you know, a Swayman shutout, which is amazing. I mean, we'll talk about him later on. Yeah. I mean, and, and maybe it's, it's, you know, your favorite topic, Mark, uh, goalie Bob and, and Mike Dunham, but I, I've found, I think it was the Toronto game, a 5-2 win, and the goalie was at, is it Vanacek, I think is the kid who used to be in Washington. Five goals all went to the exact same spot. They went right over the shoulder, yeah. and it was like somebody did their homework, watched this guy, and said, oh, boy, you know, he's leaky. This is where you want to shoot. And I felt that way with Soros. It seemed like they they picked their spots because they knew where, like you said, where the holes were. And so I don't know. Somebody's doing their homework. I don't know if that's goaltending coaches relaying the message or if it's somebody on the offensive side looking at it. But, um, yeah, that's two games in the last month where I've seen them trying to specifically exploit a particular weakness in a goaltender. And you know, I'm like you. I, thought, I always thought Saros was a, a nice goalie. But, boy, they just uh, they sort of picked their spots there. Yeah. I mean, traditionally before the games, this um, goalie Bob will probably most likely sit there and, and watch – an opposing goaltender and, and see his weaknesses and trends in practice, the pregame skate and so on. It's, it's traditionally where I look um, to find uh, weaknesses and so on, how to track in the puck and so on. Cause you only, when you're out there doing the skate, you're only about 20 minutes away from the game. 
you know, you really can't adjust that glove hand, that block aside or, or, you know, the reflexes down low. Um, so yeah, doing the homework is huge. And, and obviously watching tape from previous games leading up to a, a particular contest is, uh, is huge as well in the, um, in the arsenal of, of a group effort and trying to get a win every night. So the last uh, week, again, just a quick little two-game road trip. I, I actually kind of love these. I think they're great for the room. I think they're great for the chemistry, the camaraderie. And then you add in the siblings, uh, which, I, again, I don't think I've ever seen this. I know they have a dad trip. They have a mom trip. Um, I, I don't know if I would go on a two-game road trip with my sister. She'd drive me bananas. But um, this seemed to be uh, a, a pretty good thing. These guys uh, all seem to thoroughly enjoy themselves. Uh, Cam, what were some of your takeaways of that 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 whole sort of process there i mean if they're playing the way they're playing now sign the siblings up the whole season i mean like the way the morale's been and the way that the teams responded especially after that washington loss coming out of the break that was a really tough one really gut punch really woke up the team and i think having the siblings trip just increased morale and made the room a little less light or more light for that rather and uh, they went out and played really well for the siblings. And I love the me and Mark were talking about this, but the behind the B content with them is phenomenal stuff. You get the behind the scenes, actually them celebrating them, in the box going crazy. And it's just like, it's just really wholesome to see the teams come. The team's chemistry continue to build even after an historic season like this so far, like it, you can only see it grow. And I think that was just a main part of the siblings trip. So Sign me up if they continue to win games like this. So, yeah, I think my favorite part of the video was uh, uh, it must have been Connor Clifton's brother on the Pasternak goal. I mean, he was already standing up with his fists in the air, like three passes away. It was like he saw that thing coming. Um, but uh, yeah, I, 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 the content's great. The camaraderie's great. I got to imagine there's uh, the siblings like it. I just, I would hate to have them do it the other way to where Marchand had to go to like, you know, whatever his brother's job is and, I don't know, count widgets or do whatever it is that his brother does for sell real estate. I don't know what it is they do, but he'd be like, boy, this is it. This is your life. Um, no, but seriously, uh, yeah, I thought that was a uh, that was a great look for the team. Good morale booster. Um, and as we look ahead here now, we have they come home for a quick two game stint uh, again tonight against the Islanders. Five o'clock start, everyone. Five o'clock. So if you turn on at seven, you're late. Um, and uh you know, the Islanders now are a team that I think was really on the fence. And then they went all in on Bo Horvat. And I got to figure now they're pushing everything they can to to get in the playoffs and get themselves in a, in a good playoff spot. So they're going to give you everything they have. And Ottawa, quite frankly, is I find them to be a pain in the ass. They are. They're just that they're a pain to play against. Um, and so these are, I think, two very, very important games for the Bees before they head out west at Seattle, at Vancouver, at Edmonton, at Calgary. So that is going to be a big road trip. Um, what do you guys think about the importance of of these two games here? And Mark, I'll start with you. Well, it, talking about the siblings a little bit, what a great time for them to have that whole week, uh, and and then you know do a little bit of a home uh, cooking and then go off on the road. So that just that, that's just good karma right there, going out on a west coast Western Canada trip. Um, on a high note and um, you know hopefully that they you know uh, let me see who they're playing and so on you know Edmonton Calgary back to back Seattle and Vancouver um, those games uh, Seattle gave us a hard time last time we played them um, Vancouver I'm not sure uh, Edmonton to Calgary are always going to be tough too um, I know Calgary is not doing so great this year but 
you never know when they're playing at home. So um, it should be interesting on how they, you know, how they get together. And what I like about the the schedule now is it's, it is a little bit of back-to-back here and there, but the games are being played every other day, which is more of a playoff style schedule. So I, I, that's just going to benefit themselves. There's no long breaks and so on to get worried about those schedule losses and blah, blah, blah. So um, I'm looking forward to it, but I'm not looking forward to the late nights, you know, Vancouver, Vancouver, seven o'clock, 7 p.m. on Saturday, but Seattle's 10 o'clock on Thursday. It makes absolutely no sense. But anyway, <laughs> they could have done that. They could have thrown me a bone and done that during uh, teacher vaca- February vacation week. Which is yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wait till I'm back at school to give me a 10 o'clock game on a Thursday. That's not that's not helpful. Uh, Cam, what do you think about the, uh, the these two here coming up against uh, the Islanders and the Senators? As Jack well, calls him, Ottawa. Ottawa. Yeah. Well, Jack Edwards is always a character. You, we all know this. But when when it comes to the Islanders, I think I think they all went in on Bo Horvat, and I think that um, I think they have some talent up front. Matt Barzell, obviously, that's that that pick always stings me from the 2015 draft when we passed on him. And and then speaking of 2015 draft picks, Thomas Shabbat for Ottawa. The, the Ottawa Senators have a great offense with Tuchuk, signed Giroux, traded for Debrinket. I mean, they've had a mediocre season to their standards, but their offense is always humming. Tim Stutzla is always a stud against the Bruins, always a thorn in the side of the Bruins. And one of the Bruins' losses early on this season came against Ottawa, 7-5, to five, and that game was absolutely drunk with offense. Um, they literally traded goals back and forth, lost seven, five in regulation. And then, you know, Ottawa is just always a sneaky team with great offense. Um, their back end's a little suspect, but, and their goaltending's not been healthy this year, but I still think it's going to be a tough test for them. And I think every game's huge. So, um, I think you can take away a lot from these two past two games against Nashville and Dallas, but you got to translate the you got to keep the momentum going against these two teams, especially against Ottawa being an Atlantic division rival. So um, I think these two games are huge before heading out West. So um, yeah, no, I totally agree. And um, to go a little sideways, it does look like Jake DeBrusque will, uh, will be back in the lineup tonight, which is good. I did see that uh, Jacob Lauko was sent down. Mm-hmm. I was a little surprised yep. with that, Mark, maybe to you, it's just one of, again, I don't, I pretend there is no money because I'm terrible with money. But is that is that just one of those financial things, odd man out, or because I know he's, I mean, I thought that he played really, really well the last couple of nights. Yeah, I have to agree with that. Um, he did play well; he deserved it, and so on. But he's a, ca- a casualty of the salary cap, and the Boston Bruins are always up against it. Evan Gold is a mastermind when it comes to this type of thing, and it, and it's adjusted on the day; it's daily; it's not just a week or a month thing. Yeah, I mean Arizona Coyotes might uh, might do their monthly salary cap because they they have a hard time even getting to the bottom of a salary cap. And the Boston Bruins, a competitive team, and so on, uh, you do have to uh, massage the cap to make these moves. And unfortunately, uh, Jacob is 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 one of those um, players that had to go down because you know when when Jake DeBrus comes in, it's a roster spot. You only got twenty three of them, so um, especially on the road as well. Um, you know, you gotta you gotta make room for that uh, incoming player, and hopefully the Jake's uh, ready to go. I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing him, and and uh, you know, I think well, I think I put that on the agenda. There's something to talk about, or are you going sideways yeah. on this? Definitely looking forward to him coming back, and and hopefully he can get right back on track with his offensive uh, production, 
and really kind of bolster that that front line. I know that they're playing well. I know Brad's been in there and Bergie's doing Bergie things. It's just amazing what he's doing at his age. Um, but, you know, you add to Jake DeBrusque's uh, speed and, um, you know, his offensive capabilities. I think that that's just going to add a little bit more to what this Boston Bruins team needs moving forward is, is just to score more goals and just create more of a gap when you on your back end, you might have a mistake or two. So, uh, just getting them in the lineup is going to be a good thing. And, you know, and and just to, you know, talk about him overall in the past year, what a turnaround for a player that wanted to be traded last year. You know, uh, it just, it just proves that patience is a virtue here. And, and, you know, we need to think about all situations, not just uh, the player is, is unhappy and so on, but, you know, how he can perform when you get him to, you know, uh, per se, like, not jump off the roof, you know? Um, so I'm, I'm happy that he's back in. I'm just, I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, the next couple of games that he gets involved and he, get, he stretches his legs a little bit and um, hopefully he gets on back on track soon. Well, Cam, uh, it seems like Craig Smith has done a, a pretty admirable job up there on the top line in his absence. Um, and it's been a while since he's been in the lineup. So, you know, if you're calling the shots, do you just pretend that never happened and you put Jake DeBrus back on the top line and you you either sit Craig Smith or you, you bury him on the fourth line, or do you try to ease Jake back into the lineup? Uh, what, what would, you know, what, what would sort of your scenario be, or what would you sort of predict will happen tonight? Um, uh, lines wise, uh, lines wise, I think he'll slot back into his usual first line spot and Craig Smith will drop. I do. However, get your point about trying to ease him back in, shake the rust off. It has been a while since he's played, but I think that the first couple of shifts will shake off that rust immediately playing with the big boys on the first line. That's been DeBrus spot since, since the second half of last year. Um, and I think that he's thrived in that role, 30 points in 36 games plus 15 this year. I think that, you know, everyone talks about, and I know we'll talk about this later in the show as well. Everyone talks about going out and getting forward depth and depth is so key. But what about internally? What about internally on the roster? Like having a guy like DeBrus back is huge. And I feel like everyone's like so inept about like going out and getting like a, a forward and giving up assets to get that forward. What about the assets internally that we have? DeBrusque is a great player, great skater, like Mark alluded to, north-south speed, 200-foot player. He's really enhanced his game since last year. And I feel like that's one of those additions internally in house that will help the Bruins this season. Like he's has been all season before the injury, of course. So if to answer your original question, Steve, I think he slots back in first line and Craig Smith gets bumped down in the fourth line, unfortunately. Um, yeah, no, that's, that's kind of how I see it playing out too. Um, and I, I mean, I think he's sort of earned it and I, you know, Mark and I have talked in the past about consistency within the lines. Uh, they all kind of, like to play with the same guys every night and not just have the lines be, you know, uh, carousel Bruce Cassidy used to just <laughs> have the lines and then he'd get three minutes into the first period and then. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> so I, I, th- I think they appreciate that kind of consistency. And I think Jake for his mental state would rather just be, you know, you're the guy, Jake, you're the guy, you're the top line guy, you know, you don't just leave and then lose your spot. Like, nope, you're going to go right back to where you started. And I think, I think that'll be good for him too. So, so we'll see what happens tonight again, five o'clock, not seven o'clock. Uh, don't, <laughs> don't show up at seven. You're late. Um, 
Uh, looking back just real quick on last week, uh, Jim Montgomery got his 11th, uh, excuse me, 11th, 100th win as an uh, NHL bench boss uh, with the Dallas game. Uh, but then we went to the Predators game and a 5 nothing win. He said he wasn't really happy with the effort on Thursday night. And I, I wondered, Mark, if that was uh, just a serving of humble pie, as they say. Um, not let the guys get too comp- get too cocky in the room. Uh, I don't know. It looked like a pretty damn good effort to me. Um, what do you think was behind those comments? And did you see a complete effort uh, in the Nashville game? Yeah, I, I did. And I, I think that I think what Jim Montgomery is doing is is kind of like trying to get in their heads a little bit um, just to say that there's there's more to be accomplished here, you know. Um, but there's there's things on the bench that those guys see they critique a little bit. And and I think that he saw some um, some plays away from the puck defensively that probably weren't, you know, to his um you know, his pleasure and so on. I think he wants to address moving forward because even though you won five to nothing, you're also playing a team that's really not great in the standings. But you need to be, play better against teams that are going to be in the postseason because that's when, <clears throat> excuse me, that's when uh, everything really starts to grind down on you and get a lot harder. Um, so I think that's I think that's where he's kind of going with it. Uh, it didn't seem like it was a complete 60-minute effort regardless of the five to nothing shutout. But I think that there's there's always that like when I'm at work, we always have 99 percent. I was like, well, where our deliveries have always been 100 percent. And it's like, well, if I put 100, what are you going to work for? You know what I mean? Always push yourself to push yourself a little further. So I think that that's what he was trying to do is kind of maybe it's like psychological or something like that, you know. But uh, who knows? Maybe we'll see what happens when it, when they, you know, play the, the, the Islanders today and, and, you know, the overall game. Maybe there's a, there's a little bit of an adjustment there. And, um, and you know, hopefully Bruce doesn't, you know, if they play the Islanders today and they went three to nothing, hopefully he doesn't say the same thing. <laughs> yeah. And, and Cam, I'm, I'm wondering your perspective too, because I, I think that it seemed to me like Cassidy's approach when he would try to humble the guys would be done in the media. And it, it didn't see, you know, in press conferences and that didn't really seem to fly with the players and, you know, Maybe you could touch just a little bit on your thoughts on his comments and, you know, the job he's done so far with this team. And because, uh, again, it is a long season, you know, so sometimes they need a little a little slice of pie. So uh, what are your thoughts on that, Cam? Yeah, definitely, Steve. I think that, I mean, as much as I love watching the Bruins steamroll the rest of the NHL during the regular season, it really, I hate to say this to Bruins fans, but it really doesn't matter unless you perform in the playoffs and win the ultimate thing. So, I mean, 40 win, first team to 40 wins is great. Um, all these accolades, all these career high seasons from Lindholm and Zaka have been great. Um, but it doesn't really matter unless you win the big games in the postseason and win in the postseason against like what Mark alluded to, these playoff teams that we're coming up against, against New York, who's scrapping for a spot and stuff like that. And I think that Jim Montgomery has done a great job. It's been a major culture shift in the Boston Bruins organization. I think Um, Bruce Cassidy, I think was a hard nosed coach who really just was hard on the players and always did to critique players. Whereas Jim Montgomery is kind of like letting it kind of slide a little bit and let the players figure it out on their own, which is like, which for some people it works. I mean, everyone's different when it comes to coaching styles. Like you see Jake DeBrus transformation, for example, Bruce, he requested a trade. Bruce Cassidy's gone. Jim Montgomery comes in and DeBrusque is all of a sudden happy with his role on the team and 
loving Jim Montgomery's coaching style. And I also think that it doesn't hurt to have guys like Nick Foligno, Matrice Bergeron in that locker room that are helping Jim Montgomery with the transition because it is a major transition um, to one team to another. And I thought it was really extremely fitting that he got his 100th win against Dallas, his former team. So Jim Montgomery's done a great job this season. So hats off to him, but the real work has to – the humble pie, like you said, Steve, has to be served sometimes, and the boys still got a lot to play for. Yeah, as long as they're not rolling their eyes, I just I feel like there was a point where Cassidy would say something, and the 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 vibe in the locker room was like, oh, you know, like here he goes again, <laughs> like uh, it just you know, and then and then that's when you lose them. That's when they tune you out, and then yeah. you know, as a high school teacher, I oh, they'll tune you out fast. <laughs> this this, uh, this generation, yeah. You know? Um, so you talked to Cam about, about shifting in the locker room and, you know, Pavel Zaka, um, set a new career high already with 37 points, you know, part of that 2015 draft that was loaded. Um, I mean, I, I think it's close. What's, what's Don Sweeney's best trade. And I don't know if it's Hampus Lindholm or if it's Pavel Zaka. Um, but it just seems like. I think certain GMs have different strong suits, and I think that drafting has not been the best for him. I think we can all agree on that. Right, but I think trading and, you know, signing these college guys, like maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think Merkulov was a draft pick, right, Mark? He was was a a signing out of of college. So, uh, Mark, touch on – One year. On on Don. Yeah, Mark, touch a little bit on on, uh, Don Sweeney and his his ability to trade and to sign college players. Yeah, My bad. I thought you were going to camp. Um, yeah, I, 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 this, this particular trade is, um, I think it's really good because it's one-on-one you traded Pavel Zaka to New Jersey and, uh, for Eric Halla. And while I thought in the past that the Lindholm trade was really good, there were assets that went along with the Axel Anderson, the, the defenseman, the first round pick as well. Um, but logistically, when you're thinking about his trades and so on, yeah, I, I, I do understand that some. The, the Rick Nash was a kind of a, a bumble, but, you know, you can't do anything about head injuries and so on. You gave up a lot to get him in there. And I think that if, even if he didn't have the head issues, he was going to be a real good player for this Boston Bruins organization. Um, but, yeah, I, I really think that this was a real, a real great trade, and it's really paying dividends now. We're seeing a very energetic Pavel Zaka, um, one that – that Bruce uh, Bruce Cassidy, one that Jim Montgomery has been saying that it's great to have him and what he's doing, but he's he seems to think that um, there's more to offer from him. So I'm I'm really intrigued about what he said there and what um, a, a player like Abuzaka will produce on the ice from from here down to the uh, to the postseason. So I mean. Just a valuable asset to this um, this Boston Bruins organization. A versatile player that can play all three. I know the Boston Bruins are real f- fans of players that can that can shift uh, all around the lineup because um, you know in game changes are always happening, no matter who the coach is. And uh, when you have players that can shift over and, and cr- try to create chemistry with other players that might not have it on you know, on a certain night is a, is a valuable tool to have in the in the box. So. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of this trade, and and like I said, it's really paying dividends to have him come in here and have a career year surpassing 37 points. You know, Cam, you mentioned earlier the locker room and having guys like like Felino and Bergeron. Um, I wonder if 
the, a part of the success is not only a guy like David Krejci, but, but Pasternak too. And, you know, everybody gets all cute with the check line, but mm-hmm. like having those, you know, having your brothers, essentially, you know, your, your countrymen on the same line and helping you, you know, with Bergeron, with Felino, with McAvoy, right. With all these, all these young leaders, but then you, you look across the line and you're seeing guys that, you know, you, you grew up idolizing like Krejci or a guy that I'm sure he's played a lot with. I'm sure him and Pasternak have played a lot uh, when, you know, going back to when they were 10, 11, 12 years old. So do you think that's a part of it too, Cam, is is how the locker room is currently and how his line is set up for his success? Yeah, I think, Steve, that's a great point. And I also want to take that even further and say that, like, just a new team for a guy that was struggling, top 10 draft pick, he was a lottery pick, I think sixth overall by the Devils. Um, in 2015, like you said, and I think that just shifting teams can help revitalize a player, especially one that's been struggling to perform with high expectations in New Jersey. And I think just easing him in and having those checkmates with him has allowed him to be more creative, especially with David Pasternak being willing to, to shift down the second line sometimes and play with Krejci and play with Zaka. I think those three guys have just on another level this season in terms of chemistry. And I think that, to your point, Steve, I think that does help. I think that, I mean, like imagine you're going on the ice against these guys and they're speaking Czech to you. That's got to be really intimidating. Like what the hell are they going to do? Like, you know, they have like these creative plays coming out of their sleeves and, you know, they just know where they are on the ice at all times, like the more and more they play together. And I think being, and I think that's eased the burden for Zaka, knowing that he has some checkmates in that locker room to play against and really creative players as well, which I think has suited him well. And I think that Zaka has been a revelation for this team. Obviously, usually when players sign big contracts mid season, sometimes they go on dry spells, but it's been the complete opposite with him. He's got 12 points in 12 games since signing that extension has been turning it up another, another level since inking that extension. I think that would be a bargain come down the stretch if he continues to play like this. So yeah, four years, $19 million. He's 25. I mean, that is, um, th- that's spectacular. And, and it's been, it's been sort of that second, third ish line. I mean, how many jokes have been made about Krejci? How many different line mates has Krejci had? Right. It's like, um, they finally hit one, you know, they're, they're not yeah. messing around with Brett Ritchie and Nick Ritchie. And, you know, you can go up and down <laughs> the line and Lee Stempniak's coming in on trades and, um, <laughs> You know, it's nice to get some stability there, not only now when Krejci's here, but just moving forward, having that depth, you know, one to, in through your top three lines is is absolutely massive. So um, another thing about Zaka and his and this um, this extension is it's probably most likely a stopgap for um, the uh, the players of the middle that could come here. What if in free agency? What if in a trade nothing happens? we have somebody already in place that can play that center role. Um, So I think it's a really good insurance policy, not only the way he's playing this year, but also in the future, if we can't get um, really good players up the middle uh, via trade or free agency, like I said, this is a great person that you can have because his versatility is so huge. Absolutely. Um, uh, I, I, I sort of always forget he can play center too. And, you know, we look at, I've been talking about the penalty kill and how important it is to not just be dependent on Bergeron and Marchand. They're too old to waste minutes on the penalty kill. And, you know, it's been good. I've seen Trent Frederick out there. I've seen Pavel Zaka out there. 
Um, and to think that I, I, I really like Derek Halla. You know, I liked him. I like the player, but this is what you got instead. Whew, that's a fleecing as far as I'm concerned. I think that's a, a fantastic deal um, for Trader Donnie. So um, <laughs> I do want to take a look at uh, the prospects, which we tend to do prospects in the trade deadline. Uh, Mark, real quick, though, maybe now is a good time to hear from our friends at betonline.ag. Uh, what's the latest you have from our, our friends there, Mark? Uh, betonline.ag remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from pro and college basketball, UFC, MMA, NHL, and more. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at betonline.ag. With live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. BetOnline.ag is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events. Head over to the BetOnline.ag website today or use your mobile device to join and receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure you use that promo code CLNS50. That's CLNS50 to receive your fantastic rewards. BetOnline.ag, it's where the game starts. Love it. Love it. Big thank you to our friends over there. And big thanks to everyone who does use that promo code. That helps us out pretty big. Um, so, Mark, we talked about how you are in Providence. Uh, you caught the uh, Providence-Springfield game last night. Uh, again, Providence goes, I believe they go where? Bridge, Hartford? I think they go to Hartford tonight. Hartford and then tonight. they're back to, yep. to play the T-Birds again on Sunday. Um, and they're obviously on a roll. What, six in a row now, I think? So tell us a little bit about what you saw last night. And uh, another gorgeous goal by Merkulov. So uh, what's the latest happening down there in Providence? Uh, just, a, you know, like, like you said, a six-game winning streak. Um, and they, they uh, increased their gap from the second place Hershey Bears uh, by three points. So that's good. Um, Hershey's probably going to be in the lineup tonight. Um, that in Providence has uh, traditionally been or tended to be um, in the uh, top two positions all season long. And I've talked to Ryan Mujanel last night, the head coach of the Providence Bruins, about what he did differently this season, uh, opposed to year one uh, when he was a, 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 um, a new Providence head coach. Um, and with the group that he has right now, um, why in the past Providence uh, struggles to get struggles to play against teams in the beginning of the year, but in January or December and January, pick up that steam and, and truck teams uh, into the postseason. But he said, it's just, it's nothing to do with coaching or anything like that. It's just, it's just the players, the players are bought into a certain system and they're going out in there and executing. And, um, and what I've seen so far has been really, really good uh, this season. Um, like Georgie Mikulov, since he was um, promoted per se, to the center role with Vinny Letary being out of the lineup due to an injury, his point production has increased tremendously. Um, he's on a six-game goal streak. And uh, Ryan Mujanel said last night that basically all season he's been asking questions about why he can't be slotted into the center spot because that's his comfort zone. And the coaching staff was more or less like, well, we, w- we would like to have you on the left side as well. Uh, and I kind of think that that's a tactic where – a player like um, Mikulov can be added to the uh, NHL roster sometime soon with the depth of what we already have up the middle. Um, but him being in the center has just increased. His productivity has been crazy. Uh, it's that next next man up mentality. Uh, he's the uh, Mikulov is the new Providence point leader past uh, the injured Vinny Letary last night. 
Uh, he had a three-point uh, night uh, last night, extending his goal in points three to six games. Mikulov has seven goals, five assists, 12 uh, uh, points in that time frame, and has uh, 15 goals, 23 assists, 38 points this season. So he's looking really good. Uh, big Justin Brazau also had three points last night um, at the AMP, extending his point streak to three games. Brazau has 15 uh, – I'm sorry. He has five assists in that time frame, 13, 18, 31, and 44 games played. Fabian Lysel had a goal last night, extending his point streak to six games. Lysel has three goals, three assists, six points in that time frame, and 11, 16, 27, and 32 games played. Uh, Connor Carrick has been playing really good as a, as a, a, a you know, a veteran defenseman uh, for Providence. He's on a two game point streak um, with an assist in two in each contest. Carrick has one goal, nine assists, 10 points in his last 10 games. Jackashad is currently on a three game point streak with a goal, three assists and four points in that time frame and three goals, 22 assists, 25 points in this season. Uh, Unit Companion uh, is on a two-game point streak with an assist in each game. In his last 10 games, he's uh, posted four goals, six assists, 10 points in that time frame and has 7, 17, 24 in 40 games played. And uh, Chris Wagner, to finally uh, wrap up some of this really good news from all these these players that are streaking right now. Uh, he's on a six-game point streak um, going with uh, four goals, three assists, seven points in that time frame. Wagner has... 13 goals, six assists, 19 points in 39 games played. So there's a lot of really good things that are going on down in Providence. Um, you know, we're getting closer to the postseason. There's only about 24, 25 games remaining. They are the top uh, echelon of the Atlantic division, but Hershey's going to be a tough uh, matchup uh, coming down the stretch here because they are traditionally a team that can come from behind and, uh, and do some damage. Um, but I, I, I think that this is going to be a, a really good year. Um just, I just want to see them do a lot better than they did last year. And hopefully they stay healthy towards the end of the year because last season towards, um, towards the close of the, the campaign, a lot of injuries happened. And when they went and played Bridgeport in the first round of a three-game series, they got swept because they just weren't, they weren't able to, uh, to, to hold up against a, 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 um, an Islanders team that was just a, a lot better than them um, because of the injuries. So, Hopefully everything comes around and, you know, uh, talking to Ryan last night, uh, Mujanel, their head coach, he's just real confident and so on. Really nice guy to just to have a conversation with. Uh, that was the first time I've ever had an interview in a coach's office, which I thought was pretty cool. He's just like, oh, come on in here, sit down. And it was just like, oh, I thought I was at the, I thought I was getting suspended in school or something like that, you know, <laughs> but uh, it was just, it was, it was just really cool. Shout out to Jordan Kahn for setting that whole thing up because it was just amazing. I spent like five or 10 minutes just talking to him. I didn't want to, you know, rush. Uh, I didn't want to, you know, over overdo my time, but um, it was just a, a solid conversation. And, and it's a good feeling, you know, the, the locker room feels it and these guys are playing, they're feeling it. And I think it's going to be a real good year. I wonder, and um, I don't know, Cam, maybe you can t- touch on this too, but you talked about them sort of falling flat in the playoffs. And, you know, just from a Bruins perspective, how many years over the last column, maybe five years, whereas a Bruins fan, the injuries happen or they need a shakeup or they're right on the cusp of the playoffs. And then 
Bruins fans are like, yeah, you got to call up Jack Studnika. You got to get Zach Seneshin. Yeah, you got to get Austin Zonic. You know? <laughs> so I, I wonder if that had the trickle down, too, of the the, Provid- the Bruins, the Boston Bruins needed Providence's best player. Whereas now, if they call up Lauco, if they call up, even if they called up a, a guy like Letary or, or Merkulov, which I don't think they would do, but if they did, the team is not sunk. You know, from the Providence perspective, the team wouldn't be sunk if they lost any of those uh, those guys that they mentioned. So maybe that's a part of it, too, is just that they're, you know, they, they have a little bit more depth, but also the Boston Bruins. I mean, that's part of the problem the Thunderbirds are having right now is it's St. Louis can't figure it out. And so our roster's just been ripped apart at the seams because, the you know, St. Louis can't figure it out. So I don't know, Cam, is that, that, that a part of it, too, possibly? Yeah, I, I think so, Steve. And I think that a lot of Providence success, I mean, we got that question on Twitter about like how how the Bruins prospect pool is ranked so low, but Providence is doing so well. And I think it's guys like Vinny Letary, the veteran guys on that team, the Chris Wagners that have been performing at a high level and really mentoring the young guys like Merkulov and, and Fabian Lysel. I think those guys have really mended well together. Vinny Letary's been an anomaly this season, performing very well. I believe he has, um, the set, he, like Mark alluded to, Rakulov just surpassed him in points, and that's just because Letary is injured right now. And 41 games played, he's got 37 points plus four. He's been really a revelation for this team this year. And I think just the fact that the call-up situation, I think that the Bruins team is playing so well right now that like you don't need someone from Providence in that at this moment. And I would be surprised, like you said to said as well, Steve, if someone like Merkulov or Lysel or Letary was called up. Cause I, I do get that a lot from Bruins fans. It's like, why don't you call up the top guy from Providence to help out with the team, you know? But I think that both team, both Boston teams are rolling so well, Providence and professional that they're just riding the wave. And from these players that have given them career years. So I think there's there's nothing really more to say than just like ag- admiring the success these teams have had, and I think Mikulov and Fabian Lysel being the rookies on this team have really stepped up huge as well. And I think it's I think it's a, and tying Brett Harrison and Matt Portras as well. I think this Bruins prospect system is a little deeper than some people might imagine. That that originally they don't, they don't get a lot of credit for. I think that Brett Harrison's been great this season in the OHL or or WHL. I forget what I forget what the league the he o. is in. The o, 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 w, o WHL. Um and he's just been on fire. I think he scored another hat trick last week or a few games ago and I think it was he, uh I think it was yesterday. He had uh, uh four point nine, three goals and an assist. Yeah. Uh, so. Which is crazy. I think he's got real quick, he's got not to interrupt, he's got uh sixty-one points in forty-six games played which is just ridiculous. Yeah. And I know a lot of people are really stressed about the trade deadline. Like what, what are we going to do? I know we're going to touch on it later in the show. Maybe a good transition for that, but the Providence Bruins and the, the Boston Bruins have been playing extraordinarily, extraordinarily well. And I think it's just to highlight those guys, the veteran guys, the Letaries, the Oscar Steens, the Copanins, you know, those guys have been playing out of their minds this season. So I hope that, Fingers crossed, you can always bank on some injuries happening or something crazy happening, but hopefully they'll stay mostly healthy for this postseason run coming up. Yeah, I mean, from a from a 
Springfield perspective way out here in this part of the state that nobody seems to ever really care about. Um, there were times when people would go to the Springfield games to see the Providence prospects. And I, I don't think that that was really happening during the, you know, Seneca and Studnika regime. It happened a lot when it was Spooner and Achari and, um, you know, Frank Vetrano, who of course is from Western Mass. I mean, there was a while there were, I think it was oh, during... Chef. <laughs> well, I think the, I, I specifically remember, and I don't. I think pa- Pasternak was down on conditioning, but their their power play was was Spooner, Pasternak, uh, Vetrano, and I mean, you just you couldn't. I mean, you couldn't do it. They couldn't do anything about it, you know. Um, but right. I, but I think this is now we're back to, and I've had this conversation with people in the building. Like they're here to see Lizell. They're here to see Merkulov. They're here to see Jack Ashan. Like they that that's what's bringing them to the building. So. I think even if you're an Adam Adam Market Boston fan, but Providence is coming to town. Scoop up those tickets if you live near Bridgeport or Hartford or Pennsylvania. You know, because this is this team's worth watching, not only now because they're entertaining, but moving forward because they're going to be the future. So um, that's great stuff. Um, I just hope they uh, would like to see them lose on Sunday. That's all. Sorry, Mark. Hey, hey, Steve. I, yeah, I, I don't think that's going to happen. Not when I'm in the no, building. I have a pretty decent record, you know. <laughs> I do want to touch on uh, Jeff uh, M's question, though. Uh, you know, I know Cam brought it up too, um, but there is there is some difference between rankings and so on. I know that they put out their preseason rankings uh, on the prospects. You know, the, the athletics does a great job like that. Uh, with uh, I think it's Lashizan or whatever his name is, and um, and Corey Promen and blah 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 from the and, but I think what their rankings are based on how much homegrown talent you have in in the prospect pool. While Boston doesn't have a lot of homegrown talent because they've gotten rid of a lot of their draft picks and so on, and had to uh, counteract that with signing players out of college. Um, you know, free agents and so on. Uh, I think that might be that might skew the the rankings a little bit. Where Jeff might be saying, "Why are they ranked uh, in the high in the in the 30s when the Providence Bruins are doing so well in the top of the Atlanta Division?" So I kind of think there's a big difference there between the rankings and what the Providence Bruins are actually doing. And it's important to know that uh, these minor pro affiliates are not all prospects. There's a certain amount of prospects that you can have on the team. There's a certain amount of AHL-only veterans that you're supposed to have on the team. And there's also another scenario. So everybody gets to play kind of sort of. Um, but AHL-only deals are AHL-only deals. They're not Boston Bruins prospects. If you're on an entry-level deal or you're on a two-way, you're considered a prospect. But anything else is just uh, you're just on the team to fill out the roster pretty much. But those people that who fill out the roster are also contributing, you know, a lot to this team. So it's it's all good. Yeah, it's funny. I just pulled one up. Um, I'm trying to find the date. Oh, so this is from January 23rd of 2023 on the Hockey Writers. They have the Bruins at 29, and they said top five prospects: Lizelle, Poitra, Lowry, Beecher, and Lauko. And I mean, no mention of any of the goalies, which Mark, we've talked about are fantastic. No mention of Merkulov. Um, so I, I just don't, I think that some teams are whiffing. I think that some teams, I think that some writers just 
in, inherently hate the Bruins. Um, <laughs> but I think a part of it is, is too, is that you said they trade away the draft picks. But like they don't, I don't know why this keeps happening, but you know, did they, did they, did they um, draft Ryan Donato or did they sign him out of co- college? I feel like they're, they have this track record of signing guys out of college like Mike, Mark McLaughlin, for instance, was he? They didn't draft him, right? They he was a college signing. Right no, he was wrong? he was a free agent sign, and uh, Ryan Donato was a draft pick. Okay, uh, so yeah, Mike Laughlin was signed out of BC um, as a free agent. McCulloff only played one year at Ohio State and signed because there was word that other teams in the league were going to jump on him. So the Bruins had the intel to do it as soon as possible. Um, but I mean, yeah, I, there's, I, I, there's I, other. Look at a guy like Connor Clifton. Connor Clifton wasn't a Bruins draft pick. He was he was drafted no, by he was, Arizona, and then yep. and then the Bruins signed him. So so it's not just how many draft picks have you given up for collateral. How many draft picks have you whiffed on? There are other ways to get prospects besides just draft. It's sort of what makes the exactly. NHL so unique, and that's why I think they're in a better and spot another, than they're ranked. Yeah, and and another thing is is um a lot of the um free agents that come here they start off as an AHL only deal. And if they can't cut it, they, then they're gone. But some players like Connor Clifton in the past have worked their way to sign with Providence out of, um, um, out of Quinnipiac. Cause he refused to play for Arizona. Go Bobcats. Right. And, um, and, you know, gets an AHL only then works, it kicks ass one year, earns himself a two way, you know, gets another two way. And then all of a sudden, bam, he's in the NHL. So like you're saying is there's other ways uh, that prospects can come to the Boston Bruins organization. Uh, not just the, not just the draft. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I mean, again, I just, I think they're in a good spot here, so I'm not, um, I appreciate the question. I, I'm, I'm so much less likely to look at. I always find that the more these writers are like ranking different things, the less they're actually consuming. I mean, it's, you, you can't watch all 32 teams and all their farm systems in a day. Like you just can't do it. So I, I feel like they just, they don't always put in the effort that I think is necessary to do those things. It's not their fault. They're only one person, but um, it's a good question. Well, and I, I do, I think they were in a good spot. I will say that this is where like some of those charts and graphs and analytics play a big role in some of these rankings because most of them are all on potential. What can this player be in the future or what can he not do in the future? So I think that that's where a lot of these rankings are are from, but I'm not, I'm not very good at any of this stuff, but because it's all numbers and so on. And I'm not the math guy. I'm not the math guy here at BNG. I'm going to leave that. to Well, I mean, again, and and you can't just plug it into NHL to NHL 23 on the Xbox and make, uh, you know, make judgment (laughs) that way either. So, you know, um, so we did say we're going to do a show, a little bit of shorter show today, which is fine. I do though, um, before we finish up, I want to talk about the trade deadline, uh, 13 days away. Now we woke up this morning, the news of Ryan O'Reilly going to Toronto again, hopefully loading up my Thunderbirds with a couple of players, um, like Adam Gaudette, which will be good uh, if he goes down to spring. That'll be good for us. Um, but the cost seemed to me, if I'm looking at it on the surface, it looks to me like Toronto massively overpaid. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, the Toronto's dangerous now because they have O'Reilly. I don't want to have that conversation. But what do you think this means for the market going forward? Do you think it's sort of – I still think that St. Louis is going to sell more. 
Um, Cam, what do you think about the market right now? And is there anything that you're keeping your eye on for, for the Bruins potentially making a move in the next 13 days? Yeah, so we talk about the Providence Bruins performing so well and Lysel and like, do we trade? Do we go for a big fish? Do we go for like a Jacob Chikrin or like go in all in on one guy? I mean, I think if we were to go in for Jacob Chikrin, that's one of the names that's been out there. I mean, I know Los Angeles has been tied to him as well. But, you know, that's a that's like a rich get richer sort of situation. I don't want to I don't want to like go dwindle the farm system that's already been ranked in the bottom tier for the NHL and make it even worse. Um, but as far as the market goes, I think to your point, Steve, I think they massively overpaid for O'Reilly. I think that Toronto is just trying to get past the first round this year. Cause they always seem to, they always seem to run into that, run into that team that they can't do it. And having Marner Matthews and now O'Reilly I mean, I think that's your I'm, – I'm not sure if they all play – I forget if they all play center. I forget if Marner's a wing or not. Um, I think they all do play center, if I'm not mistaken, but I could be wrong on that. But as far as the market price goes, I think that – I don't know. I think you got to give – obviously, you have to give something to get something in this league, obviously. But, I mean, it seems a little steep setting the market price with this sort of trade. I mean, that that's just my two cents on it. I mean, I'm not sure if the Bruins would do that for a guy like O'Reilly. I mean, if I like, I can't imagine what a guy like Timo Meyer would go for now, if that's what the price for Ryan O'Reilly is, you know, like, like you're thinking about Timo Meyer, who's about nine years younger than O'Reilly and has more offensive upside. I mean, you're talking about a Con Smythe winner in O'Reilly, but, Timo Meyer's price tag just skyrocketed. I mean, you know, it's just, it's just, I can't imagine what some of these younger players on the market are going to go for, like a Chikrin, like a Timo Meyer, considering that this trade just happened and Toronto basically set the market for, for, for trades right now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I wonder, I wonder if, if O'Reilly, because again, I still think the Bruins are in Toronto's head. And so they want to get guys that have beaten the Bruins. So that's why they go get O'Reilly and a guy like Achari. But I also just look at their roster. Um, Matthews, Marner, Tavares, like these guys have never won anything, right? I mean, I I, I think Wayne Simmons, did Wayne Simmons win a cup somewhere? But I mean, other than that, there's no, there's no real leadership and there's no history of winning on that roster and in that locker room. So you go and you get O'Reilly instead of a guy like Timo Meyer, who again, hasn't won anything. You know, that's why they go make that move rather than one of these other younger guys that, like you said, has more potential, has more years, more. I think that they've, I think their approach is good. Let's get some guys in here that have won something, but I, I just, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have paid that for him. No. Uh, Mark, what are your thoughts? I kind of think that Toronto always traditionally does the wrong thing. Now, like, like Kyle Dupas, <laughs> the general manager, I mean, so smart and everything. And, you know, I don't know. It's kind of weird because even when they got Tavares, they still needed to address the defense. And now they get O'Reilly and they still have to address the defense. So I I don't know. With 13 days to go, the Toronto Maple Leafs could definitely pull a a trade again to get another um, defensive uh, asset. But I don't know. I just don't think that that Ryan O'Reilly, to me, moves the needle. I think they paid too much for um, a seemingly rental at this point. Uh, cause I, he's going to be a UFA at the end of the year. And I know a lot of Boston Bruins fans said, let's go after Riley. And I was like, 
why give up assets? We can uh, go into a bidding war and free agency for him, you know? So this might be one of those deals that he signed with an agree. He's traded with the agreement that he's extended a little bit longer. If they, if the Toronto Maple Leafs cap works out that way, I don't see how it can with, with the list of players that you said, uh, Steve, but I, I still think that they need to address the defense. And I think that's the biggest downfall coming down the stretch here. I mean, you, yeah, you mentioned defense. I mean, I, I always think of goaltending. I mean, it's, it's been a problem since, since they, they traded Tuka Rask and since, um, what's his name a rhymer fell fell asleep at the wheel in 2011 and the 5-2 win that they had a week and a half ago it was it wasn't vanatech it was sam sonoff it was the other uh former hershey bear yeah um but i mean that to me is and now they're looking at matt murray i mean when matt murray got hot on a run with pittsburgh what seven years ago i mean so um i mean that's that's where I'd be looking, you know, um, that's where I think their biggest issue is going to come. And if I were them, quite frankly, I'd be throwing all the entire house at Swayman or uh, Olmark. Make a trade with the Bruins. If, if you need a goaltender, call the Bruins. They won't do it, but that's that'd be one of the first things I would do if I were them. Um, oh, if, if we're talking trading Swayman, going back to what I was talking about a couple of weeks ago, I'd be looking at Ottawa. And if you if you could put a package together to get Thomas Shabbat and Alex Debrinket out of Ottawa, and I would easily drive Jeremy Swayman to Ottawa to make that. <laughs> but but anything less, no, I, I'm 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 keeping Sway. But yeah. sooner or later, I do think that one of these players that are young and upcoming are going to want to get paid. That sometimes that it's a cap casualty that you need to move a player to to either gain assets or, or gain a, a roster spot and be cap compliant throughout the year. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know, boys, looks like we're in pretty good shape here to trade deadline prospects. We got to our, uh, our ask hashtag ask BNG. Uh, I know we wanted to keep it a little, a little shorter. We all got uh, some stuff going on here, but uh, any, any final words, any last words, uh, Cam or Mark that uh, you want to let the listeners know here on episode three eighteen. Uh, Yeah, I I don't think I got anything. I think it's just it's going to be interesting how the next couple of weeks play out for this Boston Bruins team. Do they stand pat the deadline or they go small, go big? I mean, I mean, I'm not I'm not counting any option out, um, especially with the way the past few trades have gone for Don. He's riding a hot streak, getting Zaka and Lindholm. Wouldn't be surprised if he went big or stood pat. I mean, the chemistry is obviously a big thing. We talked a lot on this episode today about chemistry in the locker room. Like it's going to, it's going to take a, not only a star player, but a star person in the locker room to kind of sway me into buying into this trade that whatever trade the Bruins do, because this locker room right now is as tight knit as it gets with, um, with the siblings trip just happening and the leadership in the room and obviously Montgomery taking over as coach this year. So I think it'll be interesting to see how the trade deadline pans out. Uh, for me, uh, for me, the trade deadline, I don't think that the, they're going to go after a big fish. I think uh, I think that they they like what they have in, in store right now. And what's what we've seen, regardless of the the three game, four game speed bump that we had recently. I think that they believe in this team, believe in the core. Um, but I do think a trade is going to happen, but I don't think it's going to be for a big fish like everybody wants. Um, you mm-hmm. know, the Timo Myers and so on. I think it's going to be more of a complimentary piece down on the bottom six. Um, you know, I, 
I'm not saying that Nick Felino has done a terrible job this year. He's been actually really good, real turnaround season. But it seems to me that coming down towards the the end of the year, he's he's fighting through something. So it might be um, good to have a backup and like even you know look at Ivan Babishov. And I know that I know that they're St. Louis is want, wants a first round pick for him. That's what I'm hearing anyway. I could be wrong. I don't know if that's the price that we want to pay and give up a prospect, a future prospect in that pick. But I just think that there's something else that this Boston Bruins team needs. Maybe it's a little bit of grit and this and that. I do want to, uh, you know, get a little bit of defensive depth. I'm still on the uh, Luke Shen out of Vancouver. Real cheap money. He's it'll be a pure rental. You know, I don't believe you have to give up a lot for him. But the term is right around the deadline, he's going to have a baby. So that deal needs to be done sooner or later because of comfort level and so on. So I just think that there's going to be a small move. You know, Trader Don's going to go out there and just do that small move just to, you know, it's that Pat Maroon kind of move that got that got Tampa Bay over, over the hump for their Stanley Cup. I think that that's where we're going to go from here. Not a big fish this year. Yeah, I, I think I, I think teams are starting to become on. Uh, the, I think there's a little bit of a fear of trading with Don, um, and this happened with the Celtics to Danny Ainge. Danny Ainge fleeced like three different teams in trades, and then all of a sudden nobody wanted to trade with him because they were like, "You're up to something. What do you know that I don't know?" And I think that yeah. happens too when you get a hot streak. Nobody wants to nobody wants to trade with you because you've won a, a couple trades. So. No, I'm with you. I, I, I injuries are going to happen, and so you go get me Sheriff Shane Knighty and Greg Zanin and Lee Stepniak, and you, ah, you, 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 look, you put those <laughs> you put those guys on the ninth floor until you need them. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm fine with Luke Shen, but yeah, I think it's got to be depth. It's, it's got to be. Um, gonna... It's got to be bodies, healthy bodies <laughs> that have been there before. You know, I did talk about Greg Zanin. I have to. I know. I'm going to start getting a swear jar and just put the Zanin jar. <laughs> But I, I do want to add on to the whole uh, topic of trading and everything like that is I think this year, particularly a lot of GMs in the National Hockey League are kind of sitting back a little bit on big, big trades, big fish trades and so on because of the fact is that we don't know what the salary cap is going to look like in the future. We, we yeah. do know that it's going to be a million next season. We don't know if it's going to be four or less or more the seasons after that. So um, getting in a big fish that that is going to require a longer term and you're going to have to give up more, you're going to have to calculate that into you don't know what you're actually going to have for salary cap space moving forward. So I think that that's a popular thing that a lot of GMs are just kind of real. They're not really pushing right now for trades because of that that unknown factor. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's, it's too bad the league can't get that figured out ahead of time. So they they – the the trade deadline and free agency in every sport is oftentimes the most fun for team, especially for teams that are losers uh, and their fans. And and l- let's make the NHL trade deadline an event like it used to be. It's been kind of hit or miss the last couple of years, but let's let's make it an event. If the league was smart, they could figure that out. But it's not that easy. Uh, well, Cam Manning, thanks Absolutely. so much for joining us today. Again, everybody, you can check out his work uh, right there on our BNG sites. A great writer. Uh, as you can tell from the podcast, insightful, uh, goes to Emerson. So he clearly knows what he's doing, uh, when it comes to media and stuff like that. It's one of the best programs in the country. So, uh, congratulations on that. Uh, come by anytime for sure. Uh, Mark safe travels, enjoy Providence. 
enjoy doing your thing, man. That looks like a pretty sweet spot you got there too. And uh, I will, I will be enjoying 80 degrees in Orlando. Um, yeah, have so much fun at Disney, Steve. That sounds yeah, great. No, thank yeah. you. I just can't. Me and literally every other fam, every other family will be in Disney this week. It'll be love it. Absolute chaos. It's gonna be <laughs> ridiculous, but that's okay. We're gonna have fun. Um, hey, thank uh, you to everybody for tuning we... into this week. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Mark. Oh, uh, sorry. Before we take off, I do want to mention that we do have a Patreon account going on, uh, a Patreon campaign. Sorry. Uh, please go to patreon.com slash black and go hockey podcast and donate $1 per episode. And you'll be able to uh, be eligible to win uh, free um, hand signed jerseys from either a current NHL player on the Bruins or a Bruins alumni member. So um, we, uh, we got that going. I don't have the Jersey with me. I don't travel with my Jersey with the Jersey. So, uh, this month, we're giving away a um, Rick Middleton jersey, hand-signed, fully authenticated from uh, Boston Sports Music Memorabilia from Bruce Sullivan himself. Um, we'll be giving away that, I think, next week. Or yeah, I'm running out of time in this month. So, yeah, so we'll probably do that next week. Um, so get get in, sign up. It's only We only do about four episodes a month, so it's like $4 every month. So it's a real small investment to help us out help pay the bills at a small sports media company. So thank you very much. And uh, back to you, Steve. All right. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, we appreciate everybody's support, both watching, listening, financial, whatever we you can do to help us out is great. Um, and uh, again, thanks for making us a part of your day. We will do it again next week. Uh, see you, fellas. Thanks again for tuning in and supporting this week's episode of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please give the show a five-star rating and write a review on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. If you'd like to contact the show for advertising opportunities or to send us a question or topic idea we should be discussing, please send us an email to LLC at gmail.com. Don't forget to share our program on your social media platforms with other hockey fans and follow our Twitter accounts at Black and Gold Pod, at BNG Productions, at Black and Gold 277, and at Kevin underscore O'Keefe 89. Also, please don't forget to check out our official blackandgoldhockey.com website where we cover the Bruins organization from the NHL level down to the prospects worldwide. Peace out. Mm-hmm.